Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, it's so good to see all of you. Uh, It's a joy and an honor, and truly, it really is a privilege uh, for me uh, to open up God's Word with you and share it with you. I am so very glad that, as you saw my silhouette come out onto the stage, you didn't pack up your things and head on out. (laughs) So thank you for staying. I'm glad you're here. I'm actually glad, uh, a little extra glad for one particular person uh, here. Uh, My dad is here. So my dad has watched me preach many, many times, but via video or online. And we learned, I learned this morning that this, in fact, is his very first time hearing me speak live. So it's all down here from here, pops. It's all down. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, on the contrary, I'm very excited and very expectant about this word that the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart. So let me just pray over that, and then we'll get started. Father, in Jesus' name, we're here for you. That's it. We ask that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word and help us to walk out of here differently because of it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm ready to share some practical wisdom with you out of God's word that I believe at the very least will change your life. At the very least, I believe what we're going to study today is life-changing. And to emphasize that point and what we're going to see in the text today to such a degree, I did a little reverse engineering. And um, I I discovered that something recently was done uh, uh, in the news headlines that kind of goes in line with what we're going to study today. So back in May of this year, May 2023, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy released an 85-page advisory declaring loneliness and isolation as a public health epidemic. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar, the the Surgeon General's advisories are public statements that call the attention of the American people to a a major public health crisis. And he also provides recommendations on how to address it. And then on the heels of him releasing that advisory, he did a number of interviews, he also did some podcasts, and he was quoted uh, saying the following in one particular podcast. He said this, It's hard to put a price tag, if you will, on the amount of human suffering that people are experiencing right now. In the last few decades, we've just lived through a dramatic pace of change. We move more, we change jobs more often, we are living with technology that has profoundly changed how we interact with each other and how we talk to each other. And you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you, because loneliness is about the quality of your connections. I thought that was very well said. And now it doesn't take too much to look into our own lives and look into the lives of others to find resonance with those words. 
I mean, you got overstimulation. You got social media and the addiction and the anxiety that social media produces. You got schedules and calendars that are so full to the brim, so much so that it keeps your relationships shallow. But those last few words that Dr. Murthy said, the quality of your connections, the quality of your connections, those words, they intrigued me. And in a conversation with my wife where she wonderfully reminded me about the creation account in the book of Genesis, it reminded me to look back at that original connection. And Holy, show, uh, Holy Spirit showed me something that I'd never seen before. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, there's something incredibly fascinating, at least that's how I feel now, about how God has chosen to address this very issue. Here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Let me, let me go ahead and just stop there. It's not good that man should be alone. Now, I understand the difference between being alone and being or feeling lonely, right? So being alone is the physical state where you are physically by yourself. You are physically alone. But being lonely or feeling lonely is an emotional state where you feel alone or better said you feel disconnected from others even though you might be surrounded by many, many people. So here in this auditorium, a few hundred of us, there could be someone, despite the number of people, that is feeling lonely. Now, in this verse, I believe God speaks to both states or both conditions, the physical one and the emotional one. You see, God said it was not good. And obviously, Adam, at this point in the history of creation, he is the only human being on the planet. So physically, he's alone by himself. But in the second half of that verse, I believe God speaks to the possible emotional consequence of being alone. And he says something that is for more than just being alone. Watch this with me. Let's go back to that verse. The Lord says, it is not good that the man should be alone. And he continues, I will make a helper, a helper fit for him. A helper. A helper. Do you see what God did there? You see, if God only wanted to address Adam's physical reality of being alone, he could have simply said, I'll make another person, and then he won't be alone. But he didn't say that. Instead, God, hear me, he puts a qualifier on the type of person he's about to create, which, as you and I know, was the first woman, Eve. He puts a qualifier on the type of person that he is about to create. He says, I will make a helper. And in so doing, God introduces into the cosmos and into all of creation this idea of help. 
he introduces this idea of help. And we'll learn here in our study that it's so useful in our interpersonal connections. Help. It's gloriously revelatory and gloriously purposeful. So God raised the quality of the connection that was about to be between Adam and Eve because of that singular choice of adding that qualifier, help, to the equation. And all God's people said amen. So here's our big idea for today. If you're taking note, jot this down. The quality of our connections determines the quality of our existence. The quality of our connections determines the quality of our existence. So let's ask ourselves, are we allowing the quality of our connections, one with another, to dip down to such a degree where we feel alone or lonely despite the fact that we live in a world full of people? Are we allowing help to flow to us and through us to improve these connections and thereby improve the quality of our existence and theirs as well? These are great questions, and I hope you're tracking with me. So I've titled my message, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, yeah, Help Flow. And I thought that that was a really good title to name this thing because I do want you guys to really, uh, to really capture, you know, the whole idea of, like, help flowing to you and then, like, help flowing through you. It's really important because, as we're going to see in our text, um, Help is completely necessary um, for you, for me, for your neighbor, for your co-workers. Help is super, super important. And we're going to look at something in the Bible, specifically in Exodus chapter 18, that really, in my opinion, beautifully addresses this idea of help. Now, this passage of Scripture, you might be familiar uh, with it when we get to it. It's typically used for, you know, leadership trainings, you know, to kind of encourage people's leadership capacity or people management skills. But I believe also, because that's how beautiful the word is, that it speaks to this subject of help. So this story in Moses' life, because he's the one in Exodus 18, so this story in Moses' life perfectly illustrates this idea of being helpful. In fact, it shows that there are actually two sides to this idea or this concept of help. There's the one who is giving the help, and we're going to call that person helper. And then there's the person who is receiving the help, and we're going to call that person the helpy. You guys are doing really good. So, as we can see, one gives, one receives. So now, if you're taking notes, I want you guys to register this idea. Both of these are equally important. They're both equally valuable and equally important. So let's read that story together. Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 13. This is what the Bible says. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? 
Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them, known, I make them know the statues of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statues and the laws and make them known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided for themselves. So now we have seen and heard this conversation between Moses and his father-in-law Jethro. And so it's time to open up Jetmo's Happy and Helpful Wisdom Workshop. <laughs> so on this side, we're going to look for tips on how to be a helper. Because you got to know that you're called to be a helper. And on this side, we're going to look for tips on how to be a helpee. Because you got to know that you're called to be a helpee. And I think one of the things that I love, right, is that we gain these tips of wisdom on how to be a helper from Jethro. And we gain this wisdom on how to be a helpee, someone receiving help from Moses. I mean, right out of the gate, already, this is so intriguing because it says to us that help is not a positional thing. It's not always top down. Keep in mind that Moses is the most important and powerful person in the nation of Israel up to this point. And he's the one getting help. So it's not a positional thing. So here's our premise. We all struggle with pride. We all struggle with pride. I don't care what your name is. We all struggle with pride. And if you're willing to see it, being a helper and being a helpee can actually combat that reality. Because hear me, 
Help and humility go hand in hand. Help and humility go hand in hand. So let's begin with Jethro, right? So here are Jethro's helper tips. The first thing a helper should do is ask quality, caring questions. I like to call them QCQs. If you want to be a helper, you got to ask. Hear me. Parents, supervisors, bosses, anyone. If you want to be a helper, you got to ask QCQs, quality, caring questions. You see, when Moses, you know, took his father-in-law to work day, right, and he was hearing all the disputes or arguments uh, of the people, Jethro asked him a couple of quality, caring questions, questions that were filled with care. Let's look at it again. Verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? You see, this was very strategic on Jethro's part. It was very smart. It was very kind that Jethro, as the helper, asked these questions. You see, when you read these questions, it's helpful to see what Jethro didn't do. It's helpful to see what he didn't do. Jethro didn't jump to conclusions about what Moses was doing. He didn't make assumptions, right? Because we all know what happens when we assume, right? Instead, in humility, as he watched his son-in-law work, he asked caring questions to learn more information about what was happening. Because of it, Jethro made a quality connection with Moses. Do you see that? So if we want to be helpers, we need to ask questions that are loaded with care. That could be challenging sometimes, but it's a different kind of help. You see, the helpee, this person, when you ask as the helper quality caring questions or QCQs, they're going to hear your care in your voice. They're going to hear your interest in your questions. And therefore, they will be more willing to share from that point on. And that's what Moses did, right? He shared. He told uh, Jethro everything that was going on. And that information became helpful for Jethro uh, to offer up his solution, which is coming soon. So the next thing we want to do as Jethro's helpers or helpers in life, we want to express heartfelt honesty. That one's easier said than done. You see, now that Jethro understood what Moses was doing, he sees the opportunity to express heartfelt honesty. Jethro says in verse 17 and 18, he says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> Listen, mijo, what you're doing is not good. No, 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 it's not good. It's not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. 
You see, when a helper is honest like this, you have to take into consideration that it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to be honest. It takes skill for a helper to courageously express themselves honestly and in a caring way. And that is a skill worth developing because lots of people, I'm sure you would agree with me, lots of people are intimidated by the amount of courage it takes to be honest with someone. When you see something off in someone that you know, you might be intimidated to seize the courage necessary to be honest with them. I would say something, but no, 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 I'm not comfortable doing that. I would say something, but no, no, it's not my place. <laughs> I, I, I should say something, but uh, no, I, I don't want them to hate me. I should say something, but no, 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 it's, it's not my problem. I'm sure someone else would speak into their life. Do you hear that language? There's a lot of pride in that language. A lot of pride in that, uh, in that language. We're only looking out for our self-interest there. It's self-preservation at its finest. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to damage the relationship. I don't want to go there. And what we have to see is that when we choose not to be, honest in a heartfelt way because we've asked lots of caring questions when we choose not to be it actually lowers the quality of that connection it lowers the quality of that connection and as we saw in our big idea it will lower the quality of our existence and their existence so more often than not, it just goes on as a missed opportunity. I mean, let's take a look at Jethro. He didn't tiptoe, right? He didn't tiptoe around the difficulty that everyone in that line was experiencing. Even the difficulty that Moses was experiencing. How many people do you think stood in that line Thinking, man, there's got to be a better way to do this, Moses. Like, right? Like, uh, but they were too intimidated to talk to Moses. I mean, I could totally see him, right? Guys, there he's like, hey, Joseph, Joseph. Yeah, you see like 40, 40, 50 people down the line. Yeah, I think that's um, Radimus and Juniper. That's going to be uh, another 20 minutes in this blazing hot sun. <laughs> you know, I, 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 think, I think I'm going to tell Moses what I was talking to you the other day about. I think I'm going to tell him, hey, Moses, sir, sir Moses, <laughs> um, what, what, about, what about we do marriages on Mondays <laughs> and worries on Wednesdays, and then like financial things on Friday. <laughs> like, I think, I, think, I think that would be good, right? I don't know why I'm talking like a Latino, but <laughs> this is what's coming out right now. 
What do you think, Joseph? Do you think I should? No, no, you're right. I shouldn't. I don't want him to strike me with his staff and then water to gush out from my belly. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Seriously. There's a long line of people. They all experienced that difficulty, and yet none of them said anything. So Jethro, on the other hand, he was direct, he was honest, and he was gracious. So the question begs to be asked for you and I today. Can you be honest and gracious with your friends? With your family? With your spouse? Can you? There is a grace there to be courageously honest because I know that you really do care. You're not wishing ill will on anyone. It takes courage to express heartfelt honesty. And so I want you to get encouraged by what Jethro did to Moses. And then the last one on our list of tips from Jethro is be sure to lift up and don't tear down. Okay? Jethro's sharp. So you have to note that when Jethro shared what he shared, he didn't attack Moses. He didn't attack Moses as a person. He didn't say to Moses, hey, man, you are a lousy leader. Wow, I can't believe all these people followed you out here. Like, he did not attack Moses. It wasn't his goal to break Moses' leadership, his identity, or his confidence. Instead, it was to lift him up, to lift him up and help him. See, Jethro saw the problem, and he offered a solution. See, he was really trying to increase Moses' effectiveness. He was also wanting to help the people. He didn't want to tear Moses down. And God, through Jethro's humility, because we've already established that it takes a lot of humility to do this, yes? you got to be humble to help people, right? Through Jethro's humility, he's given us great lesson, great wisdom that we can apply to our life today, today, on how to be helpful to those who are around us. So let's summarize it this way. The helper keys to success. It takes great humility to ask questions, share honestly, and lift someone else up. Great wisdom we've gained from Jethro. And so my encouragement to you, my prayer for you, is that we would be that kind of people. That we would be that kind of people. I would say that the price is too great not to be that kind of people. You see, because this is what happens. If we are not careful, time will pass, and we will simply accept the quality of life in our connections that is lower than the one that is filled with care and honesty and encouragement. And that's the great deception. You see, is that we will never know that we've missed out on something. We'll never know, but I'm telling you, it could very well be a thriving and flourishing reality if we were so bold as to apply these wisdom, pieces of truth and wisdom. You see, what was that um, 
What was that uh, famous quote from Jim Collins? Good, good is the enemy of great. Jim Collins. Good is the enemy of great. If your marital relationship is good, but you know, you know you are not helping as best as you can. Could be great. You might have friendships. You you might have a working relationship that could be improved, that could be helped. If you ask quality, caring questions, if you expressed heartfelt honesty and you were so courageous to do so, if you lifted someone up instead of tearing them down, could be great. But it takes a step of faith to bring that about. So, let's move on to Moses. Yeah? Moses. He's offered us some great helpy tips as well. And here's the first one. Ego check for excellence. (laughs) Sounds like it should be a lyric. Ego check for excellence. Let me just stop right there. I mean, I almost went there. Almost. Almost. The Lord was like, and I don't even fish. All right. So let's remember, right, that Jethro has humbly helped by asking caring questions, by sharing honestly and lifting Moses up for success. And now, because that help came in the manner in which it did, Moses, listen to Moses' remarkable response. Verse 24. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Isn't that great? Humility for the win. So good of Moses, the fearless leader, the man of God. For him to just, yeah, Pop, sure, you're right. I'm going to do everything you just said. See, Moses, in responding the way he did, this is what he didn't do. He didn't brush Jethro off. He didn't get dismissive and pull spiritual rank, right? Okay, now, we're going there. And Jethro, he didn't say to Jethro, hey, listen here, dad, I'm the man of God. The Lord speaks to me directly. I held tablets of stone as the finger of God inscribed the Ten Commandments. My face is glowed. Has your face ever glowed? (laughs) Moses didn't do none of that. But he could have. But he didn't do that. He humbly received the help as a helpie. And you know what he also didn't do? I love this. Right? He didn't didn't try to save face. He didn't try to save face by by lying to Jethro. And say, you know, you know, funny you used to say that. I was actually thinking the same thing. Like literally, right before you said it, like it was right there on the tip of my tongue. I was going to say it. 
Like, right as you were talking, man, I had just thought about that on Tuesday, and I was just like, you know, mulling over how to implement it. But I was about to just say, I thought about the same thing. <laughs> See, he didn't try to save face by coming up with that lie. No, no, no. He chose humility as a helpy. So... Moses gratefully and humbly received the help from a helper as a true helpee. And I think that that stands alone on its own. All right, takeaway number two. Listen for leading. When you are being helped, listen for leading. You see, it's important to really take a closer look at what Moses did here. You see, even though Moses talked to God regularly and directly, he wasn't so prideful to think that God couldn't talk to him any other way. Okay? You see, Moses was thinking to himself, well, listen, if God could lead me, with a cloud by day and a cloud of fire by night, then surely he can lead me with my father-in-law. What does that say to us? You got to listen for how God may try to lead you. It may come from unexpected places. It may come from unexpected people. Are you humble enough to hear it? See, often, not, often, more often than not, we wrestle with pride. Again, I'm telling you, pride, oh, it's all over the place. It is literally a plague on our society. I would say that it's crept into the church. It's ugly. Do you think you're so good you can't hear? Is it all positional for you? What if God wanted to use a child? What if God wanted to use a child, your coworker, your employee, your spouse? I keep hitting that. Are you willing to listen? It takes a humble ear to listen out for the leading of God. And so, as helpers... I'm sorry, excuse me, as helpies, it's important to note that help from God can possibly come from anywhere. We have to listen out for his leading. And last but not least, on Moses' helpy tips is feedback, the friendly gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> feedback. Feedback is so good, so good. If you're doing anything, listen, if you're doing anything, get some feedback. Because when you're getting after something, it's really easy for those blinders to come on you. And all you're doing is focusing on what you're doing. And, you know, it takes focus and attention to do what you're doing and giving your, whatever it is that you're giving yourself to. But at the same time, be open to feedback. Because it's the friendly gift that keeps on giving. Watch. See, Jethro's help wasn't just God's help for Moses as the helpee. You guys see that? 
It was also help for the needs of thousands of people who were standing in line in the hot desert sun. You guys see that? You see, this, this help was a gift to Moses, but it went beyond Moses. It helped the Israelites. And when we give the gift of help and when we receive the gift of help, it ultimately helps others. I like to say it this way. Humbly giving and, and receiving help, excuse me, humbly giving and receiving help helps us all. Humbly giving and receiving help helps us all. It really does. It has this outworking effect that is literally capable of changing a nation. Humility can change nations. So remember our big idea. The quality of our connections determines the quality of our existence. And all we just witnessed was produced on a foundation of humility on both sides. So this should convince us that there's way more value in humility than we realize. We are, we are tempted. Hear me, we are tempted to be prideful at every turn. Almost in every, almost at every interaction. To pull rank, to point to our position, to our age, to our skill set, to our tenure, to our intelligence. Hear me. Our relationship with God can be saturated with a little bit of pride. <laughs> I know. I know more than you. You're beneath me. This is how you have a relationship with God. I always like to think that we have to come before the Lord with humility and thanks and receive the imparted word into our lives. That's what we need. You see, we can be prideful everywhere with literally everyone. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be. Isn't that good? We don't have to be. You see, in fact, humility is one of the most powerful forces in all the world, and Jesus exemplified it best. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, excuse me, 5 through 8, this is what the Bible says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see, it's because of that premier connection that the quality of your existence can eternally change. Jesus modeled it for us. 
And so I've given you practical tips today on how to deal one with another. But make no mistake about it. For our horizontal connections to flourish, for the quality of that experience, the quality of that connection to be raised, your vertical, your vertical connection with God, it must be flourishing. It must be flourishing. See, because God will let you know by His Holy Spirit when you're flirting with pride, when you're not being as caring as you should be, when you're not being honest for your own self-interest, when you are tearing down someone with your sharp words, God sees it. And He's so gracious and good that He'll let us know because God has modeled perfect humility for our sake, for the quality of our existence to be forever changed. Isn't he good? Amen. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we are so grateful for you. We're thankful, Lord, that you humbly came to make a way where there wasn't a way. You exemplify for us true humility. God, you are so for us that you desire to leave no stone unturned. You see what we struggle with. You see that we're constantly tempted with pride to cut one another down, to withhold true love, affection, and care from one another. To not be honest because ugh, this reason and uh, that reason. Your heart's desire, God, is to fully invade our hearts and our minds that we're constantly reflecting your glory. God, mold us as a people. Help us to not be shallow. Help us to establish deep connections one with another. Because you care. You care about us prospering in all things. You want us to go from glory to glory. You want us to be transformed into the image and likeness of your Son. And that's our heart's desire, Father. There are many finite, small, trivial things in our lives that we ignore and brush under the rug. God, we don't want to be that people. We want to be changed. We want to represent you honestly and truthfully and confidently saying that we are fully followers of Christ. We want to emulate you wherever we go. We want to represent you in every relationship that we have. God, help us. Help us to be that kind of people. People who humbly are willing to help others and people who are humbly willing to be helped. 
Thank you for who you are in our lives and thank you for caring as much as you do. We honor you in this place. I want to go ahead and invite the prayer team to come up to the front. If you have a prayer need today, we want to stand in the place of faith and agreement with you, believing for God's will to be done in that area of your life. Whether you're struggling physically, emotionally, financially, whatever it might be, these prayer partners are up front ready to stand and intercede for you. But I do want to take a moment. If you are sitting in this place, yes, you're not physically alone, but if you know that the quality of your connections could be vastly improved, I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. And if that's you, I want to speak a prayer of blessing and encouragement over you. If you desire for the quality of your existence as it relates to your relationships to improve, go ahead and raise your hand. Wow. All across the auditorium. Thank you, God. All right, you can put them down. Holy Spirit, you see what's happening. You are causing what's happening to happen. Holy Spirit, these who have responded, they don't want to walk out of here the same. We're going to believe you to be who you claim to be. You're the God who transforms us. You're the God who makes us a new creation. And so I speak to all of these who have responded. And Father, I pray that you would supply them with everything that they have need of to be humble, to engage with those around them in humility. Lord, let them be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Help them with the wisdom that they need to help others around them and help them with the wisdom that they need to receive help that's being offered to them. Father, we resist and we reject pride. God, we desire to continuously learn from you. We want to be pruned. We want to bear more fruit for you because we desire to thank you with everything that's within us. We don't want anything in our lives to not be in the light of your presence. And so I thank you for these. I thank you for the work that you're doing in them. And I speak this prayer of blessing over them now. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Why don't you go stand with us? We're going to worship the Lord a little bit as we pray over prayer needs. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.